The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Almighty God. Right now, we turn our eyes upon you, Jesus. And we ask that you would take away our blindness, that we could see your glory and your grace. We ask that the things of earth would grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. Jesus, we ask, would you heal our blindness and give us eyes to see and hearts to understand? For Jesus, this world is so dark and so dangerous and the enemy is going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Lord, we need to see. We need to understand. Now, Lord, please give each person who is coming to listen. Give them ears to hear and hearts to obey and eyes to see. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I want to share with you a scripture. It's found in the Gospel of John, the first chapter. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who was from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Gospel of John, the first chapter. Jesus, when he spoke to the woman caught in adultery and had said to her, Go now and leave your life of sin, he was really saying, Go now and enter into my light. Now you must begin to see things differently. You must see with 
divine insight into what is sin and what is righteousness. You must be blind no longer. We find that immediately after Jesus has dealt with this woman and she has left, that the crowds are there in the temple grounds. Maybe in the court of the Gentiles. I don't know where they were. But Jesus now begins to preach to the people. And he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now immediately the Pharisees challenged him. And in the eighth chapter of the Gospel of John, we find a very painful and difficult conversation going on between Jewish leaders, Pharisees and Sadducees and the attorneys. He is speaking truth to them. He is warning them if they do not look to him for light and truth, that they will die in their sin. This disturbed them. He said to them in verse 23, You are from below, and I am from above. You are of this world, and I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. Now in verse 34 he says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son set you free, you will be free indeed. But there was no room in their hearts for what Jesus was speaking to them. And finally, it reached a climax when he begins to speak about Abraham And in verse 58, he says, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. The significance of what he has just said is found in the story of Moses. When Moses says, if I go back to the children of Israel in Egypt, who should I say has sent me? And the Lord gave Moses a name that had not been heard up to that point. He said, tell them I am has sent you. Well, the significance of I am is it is the verb to be. It is past, present, and future. In other words, the Lord was saying, I am the Lord who is above time. I created time. They understand perfectly what he is saying, and they decide to stone him to death, enraged by his claim. They are blind. 
they cannot see. I have for a number of years been crying out to the Lord and I've been saying, Jesus, please, I'm blind. Would you give me eyes to see into the spirit realm to understand who you are? And I have over the years turned my eyes upon Jesus and I have looked upon him And the more I have turned my eyes upon Jesus, the more I have looked upon my Lord, the less and less interest I've had in the things of this world. They have indeed to me grown strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. But I want to take you deep. I want to share some truth with you that I think will make a profound difference in your heart and in your life if you can grasp it. We find in chapter 9 a story. It's not accidental. John ordered these stories to reveal the depth of who Jesus Christ was. He has just confronted the Jewish people with their blindness. They have refused to see And so we come now to the ninth chapter. He is still in the same day. He has left the temple grounds and he is now walking among the people in Jerusalem. And as he is walking along, he sees a man who was born blind from birth. He's a beggar. His eyes are blank. His disciples stop him and ask the question, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus is literally saying, All men are blind. And I have come as the light of God. The light of God signifies that the divine nature is self-revealing. When the sun comes up in the morning, it is revealing itself. The bright rays of the sun filter through the trees through our windows. You see, it is the nature of life. It is the nature of light that it cannot be self-contained. It is ever trying to find a place that it can pour forth in its brilliance. It shines through every crevice 
This morning, as I was making my bed, as is my custom every morning, I saw a bright spot on the bed. And I I smiled. I looked at it. I held my hand in it. The light had found through the blinds one small opening, and it shone forth and illuminated the darkness. It is the will of God that he pour forth through every crack and crevice in your life, seeking to shine into your mind this self-revelation of God does something else. That self-revelation of God not only reveals the Son in all of its glory, but it brings all things into balance, into reality. I've told this story before, but when I was just a little boy, I would wake up in the early hours of the morning before the sun had come up, and I would see strange shapes, and to me they looked very dangerous, and I was terrified by them. Just the very early beginning of the day, and I could not identify what those things were. And so I told my daddy how frightened I was by the darkness. And he went and found a flashlight and gave it to me and said, Raymond, when you awaken in the morning and you're frightened by something you can't quite see, turn the light on, turn the flashlight on, and you will then see clearly what it is, and you will know it is not dangerous. I was never afraid in the dark again, because I always had my flashlight. <laughs> what happens when the light bursts forth? We see color. We see images. The light of God makes all things in the spirit realm visible in its true character. Now, The light of Jesus illuminates the moral sphere. That is, Jesus came as the light of God to expose all wickedness for what it is, to expose every man's heart, to uncover. Darkness covers, light uncovers. And so, when we make decisions about right and wrong, we need to make those decisions in the self-revelation of Jesus, of the Father. That in the book of John is called the truth. The perception you have or I have of the truth changes based on the light we have. So, one person will go to the grocery store and they'll put a container of water on the bottom of their push cart 
and they'll go through the checking line and they'll pay for their food that they have purchased and then they'll go on out to their car but they always check their receipt and they see there that the clerk forgot to bill for the water now I've talked with some who have said well that's their fault I didn't cheat it was their mistake so I don't owe them for that water it's a free gift and they keep the water another person will go to the car and check their their receipt and discover that the water was not paid for and without even thinking they will push their cart back into the grocery store and go to the manager's desk and show them the receipt and say i'm so sorry but your clerk missed the water and i'd like to pay you for it now i've done that and the manager has said oh Thank you so much for being honest. Because for the manager, it is an issue of honesty, of integrity. Now, what makes the difference? It depends on the light each person has that shines on the reality of their moral decisions. And if you do not have the light of Jesus Christ you may very well say, it's their mistake. Thank you very much for the gift of water. But if you have the light of Jesus Christ, you will not sell your soul for that water. You see, when the light of Jesus begins to shine forth in this world, he brings into perspective everything in the moral realm as right or wrong. And the Holy Spirit comes and begins to quicken our conscience so that we see that light from Jesus is the medium through which we, through which we must see Jesus and the Father and we must see our own behaviors we must have a true perception of what is right and what is wrong to walk in the light is to have in the first place the will to see all things in the light of god now some of you are struggling because you sin and then you repent and then you sin again why because you're still walking in the dark. You don't understand the true reality of the moral situation that you are in. And Jesus is saying, you will die in your sin if you don't enter into the light. The glory of Jesus is not for sentimental Christmas celebration. It's not for dressing up in an Easter outfit. The glory of Jesus, the light of Jesus, 
is to reveal to you the true understanding of the moral reality of what is right and what is wrong. So I talk with people who who say, Pastor, I don't see anything wrong with doing that. What are you talking about? They're walking in darkness. They don't see the light of Jesus to illumine their path. And so they think that their religion is all there is. They love their religion. They enjoy going to church. They enjoy singing the songs and the and the praise and the worship. They enjoy the jokes that the pastor tells, and they enjoy the fellowship with other people. But they walk in the darkness because when they go out, they go back and walk like the world. They don't walk in the illumination of the Holy Spirit. You see, this salvation issue is a call to leave the darkness deliberate. It is a decision where we decide to acknowledge and act upon the light that Jesus shines upon our hearts. But if we withdraw ourselves from that light, if we withdraw ourselves from our duty of righteousness, if our actions and our character in relationship to the moral reality of holiness, then we will walk in the darkness and we will not be able to fellowship with Jesus. Fellowship with Jesus is based on walking in the light. How do we get in the light? By repentance. The Holy Spirit has spoken to you. You know whether you are casual before the Lord God of heaven. You know whether there's a fire in your heart of passionate love for Jesus. You know that. You know whether you are walking in all of the light that Jesus has sent to you regarding what he is calling you to do and to be. You know if you've turned your heart aside from the Lord. I don't need to tell you. You know if you love the things of darkness. You know if your heart lusts after the television and the wickedness of the videos, the violence of the video games. You know all of that. I don't need to tell you. You know if you're walking in darkness and refusing to walk in the light because your heart loves the darkness. And you say, well, it's no use. This is all I can do. I can just, all I can do is the best I can do. No. What I'm describing for you today is not something that originates in your heart. It originates with the Lord God of heaven. It originates with Jesus. And as we turn our eyes to Jesus, the moral and spiritual light of God begins to fill our eyes and our hearts. 
Now, if you're not reading the scriptures, if you're not earnestly praying and asking God to give you sight, then you will be blind. Your vision will be impaired. Now, Jesus finds this man as he's passing along and he begins to speak. This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work he sent me to do. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, as he says this, he spits, he leans over and he spits in the dust. And he makes mud. And then he smears it on the blind man's eyes. And he says to this blind man, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. This means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Jesus wants you to hear that he is sending you to the pool of Siloam to wash. We're washed in his blood. There's a fountain opened for you and for me. And we will come home seeing. Now his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging ask, Whoa, is this the same man? When his eyes were opened, they didn't quite recognize him. And he said, I am the man. Well, how were your eyes opened, they demanded. Verse 11, he replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it in my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed. And then I could see. You can't see until you repent. Right now, you know what you are doing in the darkness. You know what you're doing in uncleanness and sexual impurity? You know what you're doing with money? You know what you're doing in relationships? You know who you're lying to? Maybe not outright, but you're not telling them the whole truth? You know. And Jesus is saying, go and wash yourself. Repent. And come back, and you will see. Well, the Pharisees, they're brought into the picture. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath day. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and, and I washed, and now I see. And the Pharisees said, Well, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Do you see, they had no accurate spiritual perception. They could not see what was right and what was wrong. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world. And they were in their hearts rejecting Jesus. They even tried to stone him to death. They could not see. 
They turned to the blind man, and they said, What have you say about this? It was your eyes that he opened. And the man replied, He's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he'd been blind and received his sight until they heard from the man's parents. They asked, Is this your son? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? Oh, we know he's our son. We don't we know he was born blind. But how he can see now and who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him he's of age, meaning he's over 30 years of age. He'll speak for himself. Now the parents were also refusing to walk in the light. They would not confess that Jesus was the one that had healed because they did not want to be thrown out of the synagogue. That's why the parents said, He's of age, ask him. So a second time, they summoned the man who had been blind, and they say, Give glory to God. In other words, confess the truth. We know this man is a sinner. Now, a blind man in Jerusalem in that day would take a lot of abuse. And I've seen some blind people who develop a real attitude. They don't take anything from anybody. And they shoot it right back. Well, that's how this man was. He shot right back. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. Well, they ask him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He says, I told you already, and you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? And they hurled insults at him. And they said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. The same one who said to Moses, I am but they will not receive Moses' testimony. We know that God spoke to Moses, but for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. You see, they're blind. They're blind. The light of Jesus has not penetrated their hearts, and so they are stuck in the darkness. And the man answers, Now this is quite remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes? We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they answered, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. I want you to see this. It is absolutely vital that we have our eyesight totally restored so that we can see the difference between walking in darkness and walking in the moral reality with everything taking on its proper place. When we look at the world, what do we see? What do you see in the woman caught in adultery? 
Well, it's obvious. You see shame. You see terror. You see trembling. You see uncleanness. And the men who are standing there accusing her. Pride. Arrogance. I suspect that many of them were also unclean. And so that's what the darkness brings. It brings every vile thing. It brings perversion, anger, bitterness, murder, lying, cheating, stealing. I'll never forget a young woman who was working as a checkout gal. And she was given a credit card. And she remembered the number. And she used that number without their permission to purchase things. And of course, the credit card company began to do research. And they found that this credit card had been used on that day in the grocery store. And so they confronted her. And with great shame and tears, she confessed. The grocery store did not prosecute. They just fired her. And she said to me, Pastor, who will ever hire me again? She was finally beginning to get the perception correct in the light of her shame that she had done something very, very wrong. Now, later, she was able to find another place in another kind of business, and she was faithful there. She didn't want to walk in the shame of being a thief. She didn't want to face the police again. The Inquisition, she did not want to deal with all of that shame again. That's walking in the darkness. But when we begin to look to Jesus and we begin to read the scriptures and we begin to pray and we begin to repent of our sin, we begin to see things in the proper reality. The color, the shape, everything becomes plain before us. And we take the course of action required to walk in that integrity. Do you believe, Jesus said, in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I've come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were there heard him say this, and they asked, What? Are we blind too? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty. You would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. This is a hard word. 
when you claim to see but do not have a proper moral perspective on what you should be doing, what you should be saying, how you should be using your time and energy and money, how you should be treating people. When you don't have a moral perspective, your sin remains. In First John... 1 John 5, 1 John 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. Jesus is the light of the world, and there is no darkness in him. So if we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet we continue to walk in the darkness. We're lying. Now, if you're blind, it is not sin. Unless you deliberately decide to continue being blind, and then your sin remains. It's a very sobering word. I want to read for you a passage of Scripture in Acts, the 26th chapter. It is Paul. He's preaching before Festus. And he tells the story of Jesus coming to him on that road to Damascus. Jesus said to him, I am sending you to them, that is, to his own people, to the Gentiles. I am sending you to them. Now, what was he to do when he was sent to them? He was to open their eyes that they would have a true moral understanding of their obligation before God. They were to turn from the darkness to the light. They were to turn from the power of Satan to our Lord God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins. The word in the Greek is aphemi, meaning so that they may receive the removal of sin, the removal of darkness from their life. The light of glory is going to come. They are going to hear the gospel proclaimed by Paul. And as that gospel is proclaimed, the brilliance of Jesus will begin to shine forth 
illuminating the true reality of their moral life. Without that illumination, we are unable to make judgments about what is right and what is wrong, except in our own conscience, which will be faulty. They were to receive the removal of their sins. Not continue in them, but have it removed. And then, and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. In the Greek, this Greek word is finished. It means to be made holy and to walk in that holiness. Sanctification is not, as many have said, primarily a work of a lifetime. Now, the maturing is the work of a lifetime. And for the first million years in heaven, I'm going to probably have an angel walking with me and growing me up in the fullness of the Father and the Son. They're going to coach me, and I'm going to need that coaching. But here the word sanctified is not used for coaching to become mature. It is saying to be made holy, to be brought into the light of Jesus and have the glory of his presence illumine every part of my world, of my moral world, of my spiritual world, so that I can see plainly what is right and what is wrong. Now, part of what happens when I do that is my eyes are opened and I see that I am responsible for my actions. I can't blame anyone else. It's nobody else's fault but mine that I am blind. I have to take full responsibility for the blindness. And now in that blindness, the light of Jesus begins to shine forth into my mind, into my heart, as I open my eyes to the reality of the Spirit of the living God and to who Jesus Christ truly was and what he wants from me. He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Those are not idle words. That is reality, and a day of judgment is coming. I watched a video recently of a travel log of Sodom and Gomorrah. I watched as the young man pulled sulfur, pieces of sulfur, out of the desert and light them on fire. Sulfur burns. It's not yellow sulfur from that which comes from a volcano. It is white sulfur. It fell from heaven. It didn't come from the earth. Fire and brimstone. Sulfur. 6,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Utterly turned that place into ashes. That, it, that was the judgment of God, and that fire is coming again. It is vital that we open our eyes, that we turn from all darkness to Jesus, that we look full upon his wonderful face, that we turn from the power of Satan who would control us. And as we read the word and we pray and we cry out and we listen to the preaching of the word, faith rises up in our hearts. And 
we receive forgiveness, the removal of all sin. It's not as though we are to continue walking in that sin. It is removed from us, and we are made holy by faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul tells them, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, and then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and to Galilee. Also I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. In other words, Paul preached that they should have an accurate understanding of the reality of their moral condition before a righteous and holy God, that they should not play games with God. that they should understand their responsibility and open their eyes. The sun seeks to find every crevice, every corner, to illuminate things as they are with the color and the shape. Likewise, God comes through Jesus and he shines the brilliant life of Jesus into our hearts, filling every crack and crevice. And we begin to see reality as it truly is and understand that we must repent, turn from darkness, that we could receive the removal of our sins by the blood of Jesus, by grace, by mercy by the love Jesus has for us. Almighty God, come with brilliance into our hearts and lives that we could see the true condition of our hearts before you. Give us the courage to come fully, Jesus, to you and to look fully upon your face and would you cause as we repent, as we turn from everything of darkness and walk in the light, would you cause the things of earth to grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace? I pray this in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I want to thank each one of you who has so faithfully given this month. Some of you had to cut back on the size of your offering, but praise God, some of you doubled your offerings, your gifts to Jesus, that we could continue to be on the air next month even in the midst of this COVID-19, in the midst of this pandemic, God moved in your hearts that we could continue. I can't tell you what that means to me. The gospel of Jesus Christ is everything to me. I want you to be filled with the glory and power and presence of Jesus. 
I want you to know him. I want you to walk in the light of his glory. I want you to have correct judgment about what is right and what is wrong. I want your heart to be comforted. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, but turn to him and he'll explain to you what you are to do in every area of your life. The Holy Spirit answers the cries of his people. Some of you have been very troubled. I'm speaking God's peace for you today to walk in the light of the glory of Jesus, to know him, to walk with him. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'm praying for you, and I love you. Jesus loves you. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of His glory With great joy With great joy To the only God our Savior Through Jesus Christ our Lord To the only God our Savior Through Jesus Christ our Lord